get ready to learn business strategies and insights from America's top entrepreneurs, creators, and thought leaders here at the Success, Motivation, and Inspiration Podcast. You are listening to M. Curtis McCoy, best-selling author, CEO of Best Cellular, and your host for Success, Motivation, and Inspiration. Have you ever wondered how you could better manage moments when people are difficult and emotional? They could be customers, colleagues, friends, or family. We've all dealt with someone in our life that's a challenge. My guest today has spent his life researching, teaching, and practicing the skills that could help you manage your own emotions and emotional people. He's taught these skills to huge audiences in many countries, and he's here with me today to share his story as an author, trainer, and an entrepreneur. I'd like to welcome John Fisandier from Wellington, New Zealand. Well, hey, I am, I am so glad to have you on the show. Um, I'll get started asking a few questions, but I'm yeah. excited to be speaking with you today. John, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, and I'm delighted to be here myself. Thanks so much. Um, let me start off by asking, what is your personal definition of success? Oh, well, success for me is really about um, um, being fully human. Um, I, I, don't, I don't associate it really with physical and or material things, um, although, of course, um, this makes it easier to feel successful when you, when you are, when you do uh, make money or you have uh, a nice house. But mostly, um, I think of it as about being human, being um, fully who you are, um, uh, being able to love, connect with people. I, I think as human beings, we are wired for connection. And uh, the ability to um, connect well with other people, that to me is what success is about. That's great. Do you mind telling me a little bit about your book, Thriving Under Fire? Yeah, I'd love to. Um well, I wrote this book. Um, I, I didn't consider myself as a writer for a start, but uh, I wrote it um, following. I'd been running workshops, um, teaching people really how to manage emotions in the workplace. Uh, and um, my hidden agenda that I used to tell people is actually I want you to manage emotions much better at home with in, in your um, you know more primary relationships. Um, so I'd been running um, these workshops for quite a number of years, so about 10 years or so. And um, I realized that I had learned a lot. I had seen a lot of examples. People shared a lot with me. And I, I really wanted to get this message out further beyond just uh, the workshops. So um, I was actually on holiday and um, my wife used to sleep in quite a lot and I get up early in the morning. So I started, I thought, this is a great time to write. So I planned it out. I had, I'd been thinking about it for, for a long time. And um, so I wrote, I wrote this uh, chapter every, every day. And I'm a great believer in the power of story. So I wrote this book um, really about the story of um, uh, Sophie, who has a cafe and she's got some um, young people working for her and then she gets all kinds of customers coming into her cafe who cause her lots of difficulty, and they're all emotional situations. So I've uh, each chapter really uh, um, illustrates one aspect of the training that I do that um, helps people learn how to manage emotions, uh, their own emotions as well as the, their customers. And uh, as and she also has, of course, some family problems. And um, so as it turns out, I I come to the 
into that um, cafe each afternoon. I'm working in that town, and then uh, so we share. She hates training. She doesn't want to do any of this training business. She's a bit of a hard case, and uh, it's it's a, a, a lovely opportunity really to illustrate and and tell a story that's got a dynamic to it, and there's a bit of a crescendo at the end. Uh, actually, I I wrote it some time ago, and I've been preparing an audio book. And as I've been rereading it, I've, there were moments where I started crying. Curtis, <laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit funny, but uh, it's such, there are such lovely moments that have sparked off and um, reminded me of real events in people's lives that have touched me. Um, so that's uh, that's part of the book, and that's what I've been enjoying. About that's it. great. Sometimes it's easier to to take advice from a parable type story like that, where you're where you can listen to something that. Somebody else's story more than just a uh, advice that you should be listening to. I, I'm excited. I'm, I, uh, as soon as you release the audiobook, I signed up to be notified on your uh, Amazon profile. And I'll purchase that book as soon as it comes out. Oh, great! Yeah. Well, well let's. Um, I'll, I'll get. I'll get onto it and get that recorded um, very soon. Sounds great. Mm. Can you share the steps that you take personally or daily to improve? To improve. Yeah, well, look, I've, um, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, I suppose in, in the years, one of the things that really influenced me a lot uh, in my early life was that I trained to be a Catholic priest and spent eight years in a seminary, and uh, that gave me a lot of discipline. Uh, it gave me a lot of other things that I didn't particularly like, but um, one of the things is that. And so now um, I realize the importance of meditation, for instance. So um uh, for me now i um i uh, uh meditate every day just uh, 15 minutes in the morning and 15 in the afternoon particularly when i miss sometimes but this makes a big difference um that helps me to stay calm uh, especially when there are so many things going on um another thing i do uh, i go to the gym about 3 to 4 times a week um and um, at my age, what the important thing about going to a gym is um, doing weights. Uh, the other big thing really is thinking of myself as a, a lifetime learner. So I'm just staying curious about as many things as I can. Um, love that. And um, so I love reading. I particularly read a lot around my topic of emotional intelligence, communication. Um, and I just continue. I, I realize just how um, many more insights I gain about this from other writers, uh, particularly like reading books, uh, knowing, having written a book myself, knowing how much thought goes into it, as opposed to, I mean, I do read blogs and, and short pieces, and I write a blog a lot. Um, but these are the things, I, reading for me uh, is, is one one of the very important ways of uh, growing, continuing to grow. Greg, I'm a I'm a huge reader myself. I I do more of the audiobooks just because I'm constantly traveling back and forth. And I, can, uh-huh. I get in my car and there's always an audiobook playing. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy when I've got time to be able to sit down. And, the, the rare time that I've got to sit down and just read a book. And, yes, and yes, yes. I I have listened to a lot of audiobooks, but um, since moving in, I live now right near the center of town. I hardly ever go in my car. So I don't get to listen to audio books, but I am very auditory myself and I love learning that way. Okay. What is your advice for someone making an important decision? 
Um, oh, sorry, I just popped uh, there. Um, the, in terms of making an important decision, I think stay uh, uh, stay calm, calm yourself down, and notice what you really want. Um, uh, you know, a sort of a n- notice what's important for you. Uh, it's very easy to make big decisions to try to please other people. Now, sometimes you need to do that, of course, if you're in a family and uh, you've, you've got um, a partner and children. That, um, but um, so taking time, don't rush this. I, I would say um, um, the other thing is actually to do talk to people, but uh, be aware some people will tell you what they would do, um, but it's not necessarily what's right for you. Or they might tell you what what would suit them. If you did this, it would suit them better. But again, well, often people will tell you what they want to hear or what they think you want to hear. Which is also not great advice. That's right. Yeah. So somehow it's like trusting yourself, you know, trusting that uh, really um, you're you're listening to the inner voice. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great advice. Can you tell me about a specific moment? Can you tell me about a specific moment that set you on the path to where you are now? Well, yeah. I guess um, at one level, the moment I was born, uh, although I don't exactly remember it, um, but I do. I do know it happened. but more, um, th- there have been uh, a, a number of different things um, that have got me there. Um, one, in terms of my current business and for, for, for business or people just thinking about getting into business, um, I've been away in uh, I had my training at that point. I was doing anything, any work I could get. Uh, I had just it was new in the, in the business. I'd left um, an, an employment and setting out on my own, been doing it for a couple of years. And uh, went, we went on a holiday to Europe for about five or six weeks. And I came back and realized that I didn't have any really um, strong contacts. Uh, you know, my marketing had gone right down. I'd been learning through National Speakers Association, uh, which was a great help for uh, setting up in business, about getting a niche, a niche, as we say here, a niche. and. Uh, and I was thinking, I, I need a niche, you know, I can't find one. And I wish I had one. I see other people have got one. But what I realized was mine was right in front of my nose. And that is that I've been, uh, uh, because I'd trained in psychodrama and I worked with uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation, I, I was very aware of emotional, the, the emotions that, are, that uh, um, move people and uh, affect people's lives. And when I, the moment I saw it was just mind-blowing, really, that there it was right in front of my nose and it had been there all my life, really. That was, this is me. And then I could, it was, it was just one of those moments. And I said, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what I've been doing ever since. It's maybe the past 15 years. I've really focused on this. I've been in business 20 years, but, uh, that was a moment really that uh, has set me on this particular path. Okay. Uh, it's great that that emotional intelligence is plays a huge part of whether it's business or relationships or whatever we do it's i think a lot of people don't realize how important that is understanding how to communicate and how to even like the five love languages and books like that how to yes how to understand whether people are saying to you not only how to communicate your own point yes i i am real excited about listening to your book and i may buy some paper copies as well too give to our employees at, at our retail stores. Right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, 
this the the thing about emotional intelligence there's an awful lot written about it and you could do a phd well people have done phds in this um but it's not about the intellectual knowledge what for me makes the difference is what do you actually do when somebody is in front of you and they are upset or they're saying something that is challenging to you even accusing you which i mean why they're saying these things is because they are upset and um so the first thing that I do teach, and, and it's just so vital, is how do you calm yourself down? And uh, if you, uh, um, I teach a little bit about this around the, how the brain functions, um, and and when you know that you can calm yourself down by breathing, by naming your emotions to yourself, um, just came across a lovely term that Daniel Siegel, who wrote, uh, is a, neuro, a neuroscientist, um, to name it is to tame it with your feelings so if you can name them you can tame them and then you they can be your friends but before you can name them you know and so that helps calm you down and also then to generate uh, more thinking about what else is going on for this other person that will get okay. your brain going so those three things just so practical and if you can do those then you can actually um tell the other person let the other person know uh, acknowledge their feelings and almost name their feelings for them. So you're feeling really upset at the moment. Um, you know, just, just saying that to another person can have a huge influence on you. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, it's a very simple thing. It's just difficult to do. So I'll put it in. There's a number of other things around that that uh, can help. Very cool. And being able to, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes seems to be a rare quality that a lot of people don't don't possess but you can tell when there's if there's something where where i've been upset i'm speaking with somebody and you know maybe i'm not handling myself the way i should mm. you can always tell when there's somebody that has has taken time to study books like yours and, and be able to put yourself in their shoes and it's always refreshing to uh you, you can't be mad at somebody like that no matter how hard you, you want to yes. stay mad at them so yes yeah one, one of the reasons it's so hard to put yourself in the other person's shoes is because it's disturbing. And, um, uh, you know, it does affect you. So this is not just a technique. It is, it is actually uh, allowing yourself to feel what the other person feels. The difference is when you can manage that feeling yourself so you don't get overwhelmed by it. And, and then you can be with somebody for, for that time. And then you can leave. Um, without being unduly, um, you know, disturbed yourself. And uh, a lot of the train, I mean, it, it did take me quite a few years training um, to, to become a trainer in psychodrama. It took me over 20 years, 10 years to qualify and then another 10 years to be a trainer. So a lot of that work was dealing with my own stuff so that I didn't get um, upset by other people's distress. Okay. But I could be with them. But I'm still nevertheless affected by it. By being, you know, being in somebody else's shoes because they pinch. <laughs> this is the short answer. You know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good. Um. Follow M. Curtis McCoy on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, or connect with him on your favorite social media platform to be the first to know about his next book release. So we've talked a lot about your book, Thriving Under Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you recommend another book for our audience? One, one book. What would that be? Well, 
Um, one that's impressing me right at the moment is uh, Brené Brown, uh, Daring Greatly. Um, but she's got a number of uh, other books. Um, I've got one here, The Gifts of Imperfection. as uh, a great book um, that uh, I've been reading. This this one, uh, um, uh, it, it, it um, links in very well with my kind of teaching and that the more we can understand uh, our vulnerability uh, and how shame and, the, and these other feelings um, that we can't express them, uh, how, how difficult it is to express them, and they keep us, um, you know, somehow or other, um, you know, shut down. So um, just it's a way of just becoming more authentic as yourself, um, you know, living with what's real. So that's why I love those books, her books. Um, well, but, and uh, both of those, I've read the first one, the Darren Greatly. That was a great uh-huh. book. Um, yeah. I've listened to a few of Brene's books. Is yeah. the The Gifts of Imperfection is that her book as well? Uh, yeah, The Gifts of Imperfection. That um, she's put that out. Um, I'm just looking at the date um, when it came out. Oops, you can never find the right page. 2010, in fact, that's a 2010 okay. book by her. I'll have to uh, check that one out as well. I like a lot of mm, Yeah. What character traits do you value the most? Well, I think um, the character traits in people, I think there's something just about uh, people being themselves, you know, um, allowing themselves to be seen, to me, is a huge character, tra- uh, you know, something that I really value. Um, it's something that I struggle with myself. I mean, you know, uh, I, particularly the time um, when I was a Catholic priest, I had to um, live within a shell, you know, and um, pretend to be uh, somebody and uh, somebody important, somebody a bit holy and a bit different. But actually, I, you know, so I, it was very difficult for me just to be myself. And uh, in the 30 years since then, I've, you know, so it's that long since I uh, was a priest. Uh, it's it's been well and before it's been my constant challenge really to be myself to show who i am to be present with people those those are traits and and all connected with that there's honesty um you know discretion um various things you know that that sort of surround that that's great i've got a uh a very close friend i just got off of crutches and wheelchair and that stuff from a Real bad, not not making accident where I spent uh, 24 days in the hospital, almost lost my right leg over a mountain biking crash I had. But uh, yeah. I've got a very good friend that I bike with a lot. Who is the uh, he's the preacher. He actually runs a runs the downtown Vineyard Church. Uh-huh. Paul is just a really great. I love that he's open and honest and and not putting on a not putting on a shell like you see a lot mm. with with priests and preachers and different folks that are that are expected to be in a certain box or, you know, where they, you know, everybody sees them as Mr. Whatever, you know, mm. very cool. But yeah. see people that are, that are in a position of authority where they're, where they're still just who they are and they're, they're open and honest up front and, and just a real person that you can really get close to it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing I, I respect a lot about, about Paul and I, Paul was yeah. my friend. Yeah, they're a real gift, those people, aren't they? Especially when they've got those positions of authority and or, you know, status, some kind of status. Absolutely. And um, so uh, that, for me, is my constant 
challenge really and my my, my constant uh, drive is to is just to be with people in a in a real straight kind of way you know just, that's awesome just who i am mm. cool um how do you push through tough times well um mostly i i i remember other tough times that i've been through and that here i am i've got through them and i, I think just that whole learning from experience um, knowing that this is not going to be, um, this is not the end, um, but that I can, you know, that I can do this. Um, that for me is a very strong thing, you know, just, um, valuing the experience that I've had. Um, okay. and, and, and sort of believing myself. I, I know that the toughest time probably was when I, when I did leave the priesthood. That was, you know, a time of great shame and, um, you know, um, people didn't like that. Um, and I did use uh, a lot of um, uh, affirmations about loving myself and um, just kept uh, reminding myself that that was the case, even when in those times when I felt really down and low. And, and I know a lot of people feel this, for instance, when they um, separate or divorce, you know, they think you know, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And um, so there's something really about uh, finding that, truth about myself and um, affirming it even when I didn't feel it necessarily but just uh, saying it and, and and then that that's been um, huge for me actually having a good affirmation which for me was I love and approve of myself was the one that really uh, I could wake up in the middle of the night worrying about things and, and would just say say this over and over again and I uh, found it calmed me a lot and uh, it's true. It's now very true that I do love and approve of myself. That's <laughs> awesome. A lot yeah. of the very successful people that I'm interviewing all have that same. Every single one of them have the positive affirmations, and they whether it's looking at a note on the mirror and saying that in the morning when they wake up, or yes, you know, some have a the one one guy's got a note in his wallet, and he'll pull out and read these affirmations throughout the day. And mm. he was talking about the same thing. Nobody's a hundred percent. You know, nobody's at a hundred percent, hundred percent of the time. And yep. even though people see him as you know, this very wealthy, very successful business guy that owns multiple companies, uh, yes, he still gets down, still has you know a customer will be upset or whatever, and he's thinking, hey, "Am I really that jerk that this guy says I am?" And he reads the <laughs> affirmation, and it helps him to uh, remind himself, "Hey, I'm telling myself this. I I believe it." And, yes, uh, I mean it's it, it's not it's not the uh, the only cure. It's not a silver bullet, you know. So. For, for me, when I did uh, make these big changes, I, I also did uh, a lot of therapy and, uh, you know, talked to people and uh, did my personal work because um, it's very easy to blame other people for, for my, you know, what's happening. But uh, it was an opportunity for me to explore what, what am I doing and what do I need to do to change myself? So um, really, it's, it's the both, you know, of having those affirmations and that positive attitude and going into those deep, dark places. Um, and and acknowledging this is who I am, and once I saw that, then I could also say, well, I don't need to stay like this. I can change. So there's a, kind of a both. It's a both end. Um, okay. Yeah. So I no, I haven't it. just. Uh, I just haven't aff affirmed myself out of these difficulties. <laughs> I've, I've also done the hard work. <laughs> That's yeah. <sweet. laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to. Uh, I was going to mention another another belief system that 
that I, I think I want to mention. We'll just move to the next question. <laughs> um, what inspires you? What inspires me now? Do you know, because what inspires me is listening to people's stories. They're just hearing what these ordinary people, uh, what they make of their life. Um, I, I have a, um, I've set up a, a training academy in Bangladesh, um, and I've been there, um, well, ten, about 10 times uh, in the last uh, five or six years. Um, and I meet some people there. You know, it's an incredible, it's what, the fifth poorest country in the world. 170 million people in a very tiny space. Um, but their stories, what, how they survive, how they, um, really want to build a life for their families, for their children, for their, um, you know, these stories inspire me just as much as anybody, you know, living in, in the suburb that I live in is quite a, you know, a well to do suburb. Um, and we have also, um, people passing through just, uh, um, you know, so it's, a, it's quite a mix, really. But anybody's stories about how they have managed the difficult moments, these things inspire me. Um, and how, how there is life. You know, there's this very strong drive for people to live and to live well. And, um, when I hear these stories, I, I just get so moved by it. Um, and, um, I, I was just reading on a Facebook of a young man this morning. He's, uh, uh, son of a very good friend, or, you know, I know him. I've known him all his life. And there he is in, in somewhere in Asia, just grappling with this whole thing about life. And he said, you know, today was, it might have been yesterday, he wrote it, World Suicide Prevention Day and how he was depressed and down and that he's finding life in this, you know, and he's really entering and struggling with this. And it was such a moving story. And that, that to me is inspirational. You know, that's that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. Mm. How do you manage and prioritize opportunities? Well, um, I don't do, well, I don't do it very well. You know, my, uh, I'm, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, um, in the Myers Briggs, I'm ENFP for whatever that might mean. Um, and I see something new and shiny sparkling over there and I'll chase that. <laughs> and then, I think this is the nature of a entrepreneur, you know. Especially a, only a moderately successful one. Um, so I, so I love doing what I love doing. However, for all of that, um, I have actually, uh, I do, I do prioritize quite a lot of the things that I'm doing. And, um, uh, at the moment, my wife has got very involved in um, exploring and um, researching climate change and, and all of that. And she's been going to a lot of lectures. There's been some on this whole week here at the university. Uh, it's a special week. He says, come to, come to this, come to this. And I say, no, I've got this to do, you know, and even though it's really could be very interesting, I say, you come back and tell me about it, but I, I can stay really focused on, um, what I, what I want to do, what I'm setting out to do. Okay. And, um, and I, um, I'll do that a bit, particularly at the end of meditation where I, um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, <coughs> um, manifest you know, and think what is what's my ultimate goal what am i really want on about and when i get clear about that each day that helps me to stay focused and prioritized with what i'm doing so you're actually starting the day by prioritizing what what you're going to focus on and trying to keep that trying to keep that from letting other things distract you along the day 
Yes, I do. I, I do spend that time in the morning just setting out, and I've got a, a quite a good little program that I um, allocate time. Don't always do it perfectly, but at least it, it gives me, and, and I know what I do want to do, and um, particularly some of those other tasks that are not always um, easy to do for an extrovert, like writing, writing my blog, and yeah. things, and other other kinds of um, things. But um, I do get a lot more done that way. Help helps me to prioritize. Okay, I like mm. that. I like that advice as well. What advice would you give to your eighteen-year-old self? Well, I, I think, now when I think about that. When actually, when I was eighteen, I did say I can remember very clearly saying to myself at that time that I wouldn't judge myself for anything I'd done up till then, because I thought you know a lot of those were childish things, and I, I could have been scornful of them. Um, so I do remember that. But I, I think looking back now to the eighteen-year-old, I would say um, be a bit more true to yourself, what you really want to do, rather than pleasing other people. Uh, I, I've, I, you know, I was a people pleaser right from very early on. Um, you know, as a three year old, I worked that out. Um, that's the best way for me to get on in this family that I grew up in. And, um, uh, and I got lots of reward for it. So, uh, but, but actually, um, working out really what I wanted to do, uh, myself and not, not, uh, pleasing and sort of making a decision, taking a stand really and saying, I'm going to do this, not that. Okay. Um, I think that's what I would say to my 18-year-old. I'm not sure every every 18-year-old needs that. Maybe quite a lot of them already know that very well. They they might need to learn how to be people pleasers a bit more. <laughs> but uh, so it's not for every that that advice is not for everybody. Man, <laughs> I, I I sure appreciate your time and just thanks so much for being on the show today. And it's uh, I'm excited to be able to share share your advice and your wisdom you shared with us today. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Success, Motivation, and Inspiration podcast. And head over to successmotivationinspiration.com for show notes and more tools to fuel your passion.